And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true here on the program uh, that comes your way on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. And then we're streaming live as well. Uh, at those times and the 9 a.m. Wednesday edition that's our special edition and as I say we're streaming at richarddugan.com we do have podcasts at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, IR Radio, Amazon Music <gasps> oh my goodness and uh, you've got to take a deep breath to get all of that stuff in there and <clears throat> we're on YouTube that's an easy one <clears throat> because we have a video cast and that video cast is available to you uh, the uh, channel is Richard Dugan tell me your story just look for the guy with the black hat we hope that you will do just that and uh, we also hope that you will uh, spend some time uh, during this decade of perfect vision the 2020s to uh, go within and listen to that still small voice uh, listen to that sound maybe there's a an interesting chord or conglomeration or what we might even call a harmonic. Ooh, wouldn't that be kind of cool? Well, we hope you'll spend some time in that quiet, peaceful, calm, still place. Just, just relax, okay? Everything's going to be, everything, not as, it's not going to be fine. It is. It is just fine. And uh, especially if you're listening to and following the promptings. We hope that you'll do that. And if you'd like to support the work we're doing, we would greatly appreciate that. We have a PayPal account. It is there for your security as well as ours. And uh, any amount is greatly appreciated. We will take energetic support as well. We have a returning guest. He's been with us many times here on the program. His name is Jonathan Goldman, and he and his wife uh, are part of an effort to... Uh, make the kinds of sounds that change the world and they've been doing it for a long time and they're celebrating the 30th anniversary edition of healing sounds the power of harmonics jonathan it's great to have you back on the program again uh richard it is a uh, blessing to be here and uh how how cool is it to be talking to you now and to be talking to your audience uh, about so many different things because we always talk about such great different topics my friend well we do indeed and one of those things we're going to talk about of course is the celebration of the 30th anniversary edition uh, which you and i both have a copy of and um, <laughs> i find it i find it interesting too yeah <laughs> okay see folks we got them uh and i find it so interesting that i mean i've been doing this kind of program specifically this program we've been we just celebrated in september on the 7th of september our 15th we, we celebrated our 15th year which is half as long as as the celebration that you're celebrating 30 years uh of this particular book uh and uh, i'm sure th that there are some new things in there we'll talk about those as those as well but i want to start by asking you how you have changed and maybe more importantly how your wife and you have changed in the past 30 years as you have not only spoken and 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 played to others but how you have been impacted and shall we say affected by the the sounds that that you make that you listen to i had to switch from class from country music 
because I couldn't take the lyrics anymore in regards to relationships. It was just really grating <laughs> against me. So I went, believe it or not, I went to classical music because there are no lyrics. It's just a mood that is set by each piece. And I, I got to tell you, it's it's made a world of difference for me. It's not that I hate country music. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I just I just needed the shift. So let me ask you, how how have you and if you can talk uh, in regards to your wife, although, again, I know that's her story, uh, but certainly you can talk about how your relationship has has changed, uh, uh, you know, over the last especially 30 years. Well, what a brilliant, personal, uh, intimate question to ask. <laughs> and I can only say it's gotten better because we've gotten to know each other even better. Uh, if you're able to exist for this long, then you've gotten over all the little stumbling blocks that a lot of people who are you know, in a relationship uh, for a brief amount of time will all of a sudden see that the uh, Cadillac isn't quite as shiny and uh you know there might be a little spots here and there and you go wow okay i see that and i love it in fact i love those spots more than anything else so bottom line here's the big do if i was going to give uh, compassionate um, suggestions for people in terms of uh, making a relationship work to be indeed understanding and open and you know allow that the other person has got foibles as do you and neither one of us is um, perfect and therefore you know if you see a spot on the cadillac that's okay i don't think that there is a um i'm using a metaphor not for women or anything like that but i don't think there's an object on this planet that doesn't perhaps have some uh, sort of spot and that may well be uh, what makes them even better you know you get an old funky guitar that's uh i got some old uh uh martin guitar that is really on a level beat uh in terms of the way that it looks and it just sounds so incredible and probably has really contributed to the overall uh not only uh, value but the meaning of the guitar too so we're so superficially oriented on this planet mm. it's so important to go within and go deep and when you can get to those deep spots where you can really really share the things that matter by gosh and by golly richard there's nothing more powerful or better than that well i i have to say too that <clears throat> when i shifted from country to classical and well, i go back every <laughs> once in a while and listen for a short time but then the the lyrics start to uh, grate against me because uh, they portray um, a paradigm in relationships that I just I can't I can't buy into anymore because it's so codependent it's so uh, possessive uh, and it's like you know there's I, again I have no problem with generating and, and and developing community which is what we're really all about because that's how we hold uh, a civilization together is through community and yes there is the global community but i think that that small communities i think that the best description i ever heard jonathan uh was that you don't want a community that's much larger than say 500. <laughs> yes 
you will have thousands of them, but they will not all be living in the same space. Okay? And that still may be uh, too large, but 500 people in a community, and then let's say uh, a few miles down the road, you got another community of another 500 and so forth. And yes, you interact, There's there, obviously. Um, but it seems to me that one of the other unifying factors, they say this all the time, Jonathan, that, that uh, music is the universal language. Now, we're not necessarily speaking of music per se, are we? We're actually speaking of sounds. And in this case, we're talking about the power of harmonics, especially in light of the Healing Sounds book, the 30th anniversary edition and so forth. Talk to us a little bit, uh, maybe reintroduce some of our uh, listeners or introduce some of them who have never heard of you or heard of the work that you've done. Uh, talk to us a little bit about this, this concept of the, the harmonics that exist within Healing Sound. Okay, so 30 years ago, I wrote my first book, which was called Healing Sounds. And it never went out of print. And in fact, 30 years ago, it was a very big seller over in England. It was like, you know, you know, one of the top books. And I was over there touring and all that stuff. And it was wonderful. And one of the focuses of the book is the concept of harmonics, which I had been introduced to in the late 1980s and I thought okay uh, if you like I got inner guidance that this that I needed to write a book about sound as a healing modality and harmonics is a spe specific <laughs> and uh, as a reality what's wonderful is that the book once again has not only never gone out of uh, print but ultimately there are aspects of it that have been really universally accepted for example I use a system of working with the vowels as mantras to uh, resonate the chakras, vowel sounds to resonate the chakras, the energy centers of the body that people are now aware of, although 30 years ago is a little more esoteric. Mm -hmm. And Richard, what's so interesting is that if you Google vowels as mantra, it is a system that I created in healing sounds. Now, most people just take it for granted that this is some sort of traditional thing from Ayurvedic medicine or whatnot. No, it's actually a system that came to me. I remember the date. It was March 21st, 1986, and this system came to me. And uh, I said, okay, you know, um, you know, I'm going to use this in the book along with a number of other different systems. I didn't create the uh, concept, but I basically created that particular, if you like, sequence. Mm -hmm. And now the sequence is uh, universal. Most people don't know that this one came from me, but I think what a blessing that it's been accepted as being, uh, shall we say, traditional. So that's one aspect. Another thing that's really, uh, if you like, I introduced, I think, uh, once again, I didn't create this stuff, but through the book, I introduced really a formula which is frequency plus intent equals healing. And that means the sound plus the energy behind the sound creates the overall gestalt or the effect of the sound. Mm -hmm. And back when this first came out in the uh, 90s, and I was talking to different doctors and scientists about the concept or the importance of intentionality, which they would look at me like I was from some other planet, which, well, I may be, but regardless, you know, um, it, it, it was just so, you know, so difficult. But now you have all sorts of doctors and scientists and whatnot. You have 
uh, Joe Dispenza with his placebo effect, which really talks about the power of uh, our mind to affect the, um, you know, the body-mind thing. Bruce Lipton's Biology of Belief. Woman uh, Lynn McTaggart, mm-hmm. who wrote the intention experiments. I could go on and on, but this is now if you like, becoming really mainstay consciousness. So I can talk about intention and people won't go, golly, this guy is really strange. (laughs) So it's encoded. Yeah. What's interesting too, though, is that I've been listening to what was then referred to as new age music, quote unquote, uh, back in the 70s. And one artist in particular, or one creator, I'm not sure what, what title I would give him, uh, and I've actually had him on the program. It was a fascinating conversation we had with Stephen Halpern. Sure. I still have some of his albums. And um, they are musical in a sense. I, I, you know, maybe there is a melody or something along those lines. But it doesn't go to the, it doesn't seem like, and again, we're talking now about 40, uh, you know, almost 50 years ago. Because when I was, I was in the 70s, I was in my teens. And um, uh, I don't know if he was even aware back then of what he was creating and the impact it was having on the people who were listening, such as myself. But now it is a science. I mean, you you are at the forefront of this science of sound. On a level, yes. Stephen uh, has been a a dear friend of mine and... uh greatly influenced my initial early work. Uh, when I first, you know, got into this idea of can sound be used for healing, there were only a half a dozen different books. And he had one called Sound Health that introduced me to a whole lot of concepts of how sound could be used for healing. So I really want to honor his work. And in fact, he initially said sound is a carrier wave of consciousness. And that uh, was greatly influential in my creating the frequency plus intent equals healing. So once again, we stand on the shoulders of each other and want to acknowledge, you know, these people. And, uh, you know, it's a blessing because Richard, on a level, there are so many different ways we're learning now that sound can be used to heal and transform. And I think it's really important for people as we begin to blossom and grow in the field of sound to not get locked into any one type of sound being the healing or best sound yeah i I would agree and there are so many different ways to make sound uh but one of the most original and shall we say organic ways is the human voice and i'm sure that you've experienced this i know that i have uh and that is through the the act of uh, let's say you're you're hurting, uh, whether it's the flu or you broke your leg and there's pain, the moaning, and that you don't necessarily consciously choose the tone. It just comes out, and sometimes it's, oh, and other times it's up much higher. Oh, my God. And, and I did that as a kid, and my mother and sister walked in, I've told this story before, walked into the be, into the, my bedroom, and there I was laying in bed, and I think it was the flu or something, and I was moaning because I just didn't feel good at all. And my sister says, make him stop. He sounds horrible. He sounds terrible. <laughs> and my mother says, no, that's how he heals himself. Wow. Now, 
I remember that. I, my mother does not remember that. I, well, it must have come from somewhere. Maybe it was my subconscious or something. But nonetheless, isn't that a fact that the human voice is part of making the sounds that heal us? Well, it's most certainly, Richard, uh, if you like, and you are describing a phenomena called toning, T-O-N-I-N-G. And it literally is the use of usually elongated vowel sounds or whatnot to resonate and either release pain or do all sorts of stuff. In fact, what's interesting is that, oh, a while ago, I can't tell you if it's 10, 15, or even 20 years ago, the New York Times interviewed me on why uh, toning and uh, should be uh, powerful and why it should work. And I came up with about a half a dozen different uh, explanations for it. But the reality is it's something we naturally do. Now, I'm going to jump and just tell you a humorous story that can open up a whole other can of worms. <laughs> uh, but fairly recently, I think it was probably within the last year or so, some fellow who is a professor at some university showed that cursing when you uh, hurt yourself was helpful in releasing the pain. And it was on a level, a great explanation of how, how goofy sometimes science can be, because you can prove what you want to prove. And this fellow had people make, you know, a curse sound versus not. If he'd had them make an ah or an ooh or an oh, that probably would have been more effective. But it was such a one-sided, if you like, uh, research project. So it's really interesting. I, I, I share that as a fairly hilarious uh, aspect of how sometimes we can be, uh, you know, trying to look at look for a particular outcome and we get it, but we're ignoring a whole lot of other things. Does that make sense? It does. Absolutely, it does. Yes. I, I, I want to let our listeners know we're talking with Jonathan Goldman. He's a returning guest to our program. We have him on usually once a year to talk about uh, the uh, a special event on Valentine's Day, February 14th of each year, uh, World Sound Healing Day. Uh, but today we are talking here in the fall of 2022 about the 30th anniversary of the uh, 30th anniversary edition of Healing Sound, the Power of Harmonics. And we're going to talk about that as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it's always a pleasure to have returning guests. Jonathan Goldman is is uh, one of my friends who uh, we have gotten to know each other over the years. And, and there are times when we'll sit down and we'll say, hey, let's talk about this, and we'll talk about this, and we'll talk about that. And we end up talking about a whole bunch of other great stuff uh, that is just as relevant. Uh, but uh, tell me a little bit about the, uh, uh, um, I guess the first part of this in terms of especially this uh, the celebration of the 30th anniversary of this edition, what, uh, what are harmonics? Yes, okay. So, and this is uh, Richard on a level why I really badgered the publishers of this book to re, uh, should have, should we say, initiate energy uh, because a lot of things, such as we talked about, vows as mantra and intention, sorts of, all sorts of other stuff, have really been accepted into the sound healing uh, gestalt or community. They understand that, but the term harmonics, people use the word harmonics all the time, but they don't really know what it means. 
And here, I'll just try to share with you uh, a couple of things. Whenever we hear a sound, we're actually not hearing single individual frequencies. We're hearing composites of different frequencies called harmonics. These composites are geometric multiples of what, what is called a fundamental frequency. And they, here's the big, you know, takeaway. They are responsible for the colors of sound. Different instruments, and particularly our voice, all generate different levels of harmonics. And these different levels of harmonics are as unique as our fingerprints, so that everybody's voice print is unique and different and individual, and this is because of the harmonics. As an example, they went into a laboratory and they removed the harmonics away from an oboe, a piano, and a violin. Normally, you could tell the difference between them when you heard them, but after the harmonics were removed, they sounded exactly the same. So it's the harmonics that basically gives us the actual sound of an instrument. Harmonics, if you like, are the building blocks of sound, just as molecules are the building blocks of matter. Harmonics are the building blocks of sound. And people don't really understand. There's this really extraordinary, universal aspect of harmonics that's found in so many different uh, sciences and forms from spectroanalysis to botany to the periodic table of elements that basically relates to the harmonic series. People don't use that. They don't quite understand it. And it, I think when we get that, when we begin to understand the concept of harmonics and then begin to hear them and even make them, which is something that this new edition of the book really enables, Richard, it can literally change the way that we perceive reality. It becomes almost a psychotropic tool because all of a sudden you're hearing, if you like, the colors of sound. And it's an oh wow phenomena that shifts and changes you on a deep inner core level. You know, one of the other elements of this conversation has to do with something we talked about in a previous program, which we won't go into, but I do want to go into the area of changing one's input, as I did, from country to classical. Yeah. Uh, for specific conscious reasons, the lyrics. I, I you know, it's like okay, I, I I like the genre. I've always enjoyed it, uh, but today and where I'm at, uh, and of course, uh, as you know, uh, I'm a firm believer that uh, you need to surround yourself with those things that support you. That. Uh, uh, that enrich you, that, uh, say, support your life's purpose, if you will, you know, why you're here and so forth, uh, that keep you motivated, keep you inspired and so forth. And country music just wasn't, hasn't, hasn't been doing that for me of late. And that's not to say that there's anything wrong with it. It's that I have shifted. I have changed. And so I went to the classical music arena. And, uh, and I've heard some things that were absolutely spectacular. But it also raised a whole lot of other questions. Now, many of these composers down through the centuries, and obviously the Renaissance period, I guess, was one of the biggest influx of compositions. But one of the things that struck me was 
The way in which many of these compositions are labeled, and I now realize this does, has, has less to do with sound and harmonics, but I found it so fascinating. They were referring to, I think it was Mahler, and his first symphony, which started it all. And I thought, okay, well, how many pieces of music, pieces of music, since I don't know all of the names of all the, I mean, they talk about sonatas and symphonies and, you know, there's all kinds of different names for all of them. How many pieces of music did this man, this one man write? And was his first symphony, if that's where he started, that was the first piece he wrote, was it as good as the last thing he wrote? Or is it still as good as the last thing he wrote and every other composer who came before and has come after him? So I kind of come to you with that same same question. The things that you created 30 years ago, not so much the book, but the sounds that you recorded, that you've made available on CD. Now it's a more file transfer than anything else. I'm curious, did you, have you ever put any, did you put stuff out on album, on vinyl back then? Yes, and okay. uh, some of the stuff now was not put out on vinyl, was put out on uh, just cassette, and now it's been put out by other people on vinyl. I just put it on CDs, but you know, I, are you asking how I relate to the uh, early stuff that I did in yeah. terms of, uh, Richard, I got to tell you, it's as magical as anything I've ever done. I listen to it now and I go, wow, how did I do that? Because, yeah. uh, I mean, I'll tell you a very interesting, you know, just at one point in time and space, I, you know, I think that there were energy and spirits working with me when I uh, first started doing this stuff. And I remember one time I was with a friend and we turned on a synthesizer and we were just messing around with it. And all of a sudden the synthesizer went, oh, oh, oh. And then we turned it off. We turned it back on. Same setting went, mm, the ohm was gone. So there were, there were things going on, if you like, in the spiritual level that would be called like a sonic apport or things coming down. So, uh, I'm going to really honor the, uh, you know, whatever I created a while ago. Sometimes, in fact, I oftentimes listen to this stuff and go, wow, that's pretty good. I wonder how I did it. Well, I know that I've listened to stuff that, that I've done. Uh, I wish that I still had a tape of my very first radio theater play that I ah. at the age of 21. Um, I mean, I can still hear it in my head, you know, yeah. I still remember the, the cast and the sounds and all that stuff. Uh, and it was a blast to put it together. The only disappointment was the fact that we spent 18 hours and we wound up with only, I say only, 33 minutes of a play. And I'm going, wait a minute, it should be longer than that. We spent 18 hours. And then I realized that the length of time that you spend producing something has nothing to do with how long it is or how good it might be. <laughs> That's for sure. And yeah. you know, just as a thought, uh, many of the great inventors whatnot musicians or whatnot had really their zenith in about the mid-20s and the fact that like we're still around and kicking and perhaps producing something of worth these days is a uh, you know a wonderful phenomena because uh, oftentimes the chi the juice the energy that we have back then the passion that we have back then um it changes just as your desire uh, to go to a classical music from uh, country music. I'm going to say just one thought 
with regard to that um, aspect is that there's a, a doctor that I write about in Healing Sounds by the name of Alfred Tomatis, who's passed on, but back in the uh, 90s, and particularly the 80s and 90s, uh, he was doing phenomenal work with the importance of listening. And he basically suggested that, uh, number one, that harmonics, that harmonically related sounds were really, if you like, nourishment. They were the best nourishment for the brain and the nervous system. But he suggested that most music uh, was, um, if you like, nourishment to our nervous system. And I'd like to say that all music, depending upon the time, the space, and the need of the individual, can be therapeutic, but it depends on the person, depends on what the situation, and depends on why. There's music that I kind of find abominable that for certain people, they love it, and that's what they need for uh, their, uh, it's their carrot juice. For me, it might be uh, chocolate syrup or whatnot, but it doesn't matter. So I'm, I'm just suggesting that we're all unique vibratory beings, and therefore, exactly as you're doing it honor the music that resonates with you now yeah i uh i am presently working on a project where i have been asked and i wasn't surprised but then again i i i always remember that i didn't get where i'm at all by myself there were there are literally thousands of people who have had a part in my being where i am right now talking with you okay I am now the narrator of a local author's six, I count them six, mystery novels. Wow. <laughs> and I've only started the first one. And the beautiful thing, the way he writes, which makes it so much easier for me because it makes me feel as though I'm accomplishing something even if I'm not moving as fast as I would like. He writes in very short chapters. And we're talking five, six, seven pages at the most. And so I'm able to read through a chapter, and then I go back and I edit it, and I'm doing the editing. I'm I'm the the narrator as well as the producer. Nice. And, and so I'll do a chapter, I'll edit it, then I'll go on to the next chapter, and I'll edit it, and so forth. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm just having a blast doing it. Not only because I am reading this guy's novel, so I'm now getting into his head. I'm getting into his world. Yes. But I'm also as uh, I guess you could say, as a, a voice actor, I'm learning how to create uh, the voices I've always played with as a kid and, and as a young adult and even throughout my career. And, uh, you know, and I think about the, the, the story, it's all fiction, but it has this, this, this uh, golf theme undertone. Uh, and all of, all of his six novels do. And when he said, yeah, I want to have you do all six of them, I'm going, wow. And I remember the very first, I don't know about you, Jonathan, but when I first started in this business, I was always afraid of what to charge. Now, when we speak, words have power and words have tone. There's a vibration there, right? So when I would come to someone and say, well, my, my rate is X, and I'd sit down and go, oh, are they going to accept it or, or you know? And I remember the first time that I, I gave someone an hourly rate, they said, oh, okay. Oh, oh wow. Whew. Oh, <laughs> I can breathe again. 
And since then, my rate, of course, has gone up over the, over the last four decades. And the same with this guy. I didn't cringe. I just, you know, it was like, this is what I charge. Okay, no problem. Okay. And I'd like to get an advance. No problem. Okay, no problem. And it's like when you put out a certain intention, and you talked about this just a few moments ago, that mm -hmm. equation that you talked about. Uh, Richard, I have to j just jump in. Please, please. That's a, that's a real funny thing. Big, I think it's a funny thing because uh, you're doing uh, uh, book narration or whatever the term is. And I was actually approached a couple months ago to do the voiceover for Healing Sounds. Ah. And I was going, okay. And um, I sat with my uh, wife doing the engineering. I taught her how to press play record etc so that i could focus and unfortunately it took me four and a half hours to do 20 minutes that i was satisfied with and I went okay they said this book is going to be a 10 hour audible which means that it would take me about 50 hours to do i don't have 50 hours and also uh it's not my expertise i my son uh called me at that point and i said hey josh you know uh they want me to do this, and I'm just not having a good time. He said, well, Dad, you know, it's like uh, you just haven't done it. You can do it. I remember when you uh, read, I had written a novel that um, called The Lost Chord, and I uh, read it to him when he was a little kid. I said, yeah, I, I hear that, but this is like nonfiction. And also, Richard, on a level, I'm pretty good at vamping. We're, we're really good at talking, but I was never a great reader. When I, I was a very popular disc jockey in Florida many years ago. In fact, I was the number one in Central Florida. And um, they, I was so bad at doing news that they had to bring in a newsman to read the news. So it's, it's sort of my kryptonite. I think I could probably do a good story. In other words, I'm, I'm ultimately going to do the Lost Chord uh, fiction book but this one, I got the guy, I got somebody else that I knew to do it. And, you know, blessed be, he did it in a whole lot less time. And he enjoyed it. Because if you don't have a good time doing something, why do it? Yeah. Well, the first thing I asked the gentleman was, uh, is there a deadline? He says, oh, no, no, you get it done whenever you get it done. So there's no rush, which is, which is, which is a good thing in that I'm not going to procrastinate. Uh, but by the same token, I'm not going to rush through it. And... I'm actually taking my time in terms of reading it, and I go back if I make a mistake, and I just do this, and then I have to go back and listen to the whole audio file. Yeah. It also gives me a very good indication of how long it's taking me to read X number of pages, and uh, although I haven't done the math yet, I'm still just I'm just going through it. But I'm I'm, but again, as you said before, I am I'm having fun with it at both ends, and it's just um, it's just really cool. And I know that a lot of folks, I mean, I, I was doing this kind of stuff even before Audible was Audible. I was recording right. from, my, from my first wife who was totally blind. I, I've recorded wow. Seen oh. Prophecy by James Redfield, The Love is Letting Go of Fear by Gerald Jampolsky. I think I even recorded uh, possibly a Ramdas book and the book that my first wife and I met through, Augmandino's Greatest Miracle in the World. So it's a gift that you've got. Well, and I was a horrible reader because I was legally blind when I was a kid. And I was a, I hated to be called on to read in front of the class because I just did. 
I was abysmal, and it was more because of the fear of, of uh, criticism as well as retribution and that kind of stuff. And yet, here I am, <laughs> 40, 50 years later, and I'm reading to people. And, I, I, and it's great. And I think that my uh, experiences at Sun Sounds Radio Reading Service in Phoenix, in my, that was my very first radio job, um, really set me up in that regard for uh, doing all of this, because I really do believe that that everybody has the right to read whatever it is that they want. Nobody has the right to tell you, no, I'm sorry, but I think that's, uh, I don't think that's appropriate for you. I don't think it's appropriate, period. I do remember that uh, recordings for the blind would not let re me read The Godfather until <laughs> I think I was 16, I, you know, like rated R, what have you. Uh, my metaphysical primer, Autobiography of a Yogi. Oh, yes. What a beautiful. So this is so interesting. Uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to bring it in, but I was just watching a, a documentary on Elvis Presley. Ah. And uh, there's also a new movie on Elvis. And a lot of people don't know that he was a huge fan of Yogananda. And that was one of his uh, tableside or bedside books was that he would often read from that. So he was search certainly a searcher. And um... did you ever hear that uh, that the only book that was on the phone of Steve Jobs was Autobiography of a Yogi? Uh, interesting that's a story I've heard. I don't know if that's one hundred percent true, but it's like profound, profound. That again. I think we put them under the category, not of following self-realization fellowship, but of being, as you said, searchers. They well, I think also, also an indication for a lot of people that regardless of the fame or wealth that you have, that ultimately there's an inner uh, quench of uh, self that needs to be satisfied. And a lot of times it's through meditation, it's through higher consciousness, and it's through, if you like, one of the great tools of meditation yeah. is listening. And yeah. one of the great ways that you can listen is opening up and to get back to the concept of harmonics. Yeah. Because Richard, as we perceive of harmonics, first being able to hear them, and then being able to create them, which you are able to do through the new version of the book, particularly, we're able to enhance our ability to perceive reality. If you think about the fact that sound is one of our five primary senses, primary physical senses, if you're able to enhance and amplify that, you're able to enhance and amplify the way that you perceive reality, and it literally changes you at the core of your being. I could not agree with you more, especially because I just, uh, back in uh, mid-September, uh, actually early September, I went in for an audition for a group here in Santa Barbara called the Santa Barbara Revels, R-E-V-E-L-S. And they're putting on a performance in December at one of our local theaters, the Libero Theater, of a Scottish solstice celebration presentation. And it's a mixture of music and theatrics. And I auditioned for... Uh, being a part of the uh, uh, the group, music singing group, that's going to be singing some of the Scottish songs. So now I have to learn a little bit of Scottish. Actually, it's uh, it's not Gaelic. Oh, what did she call uh, Gaelic? I think uh, they <laughs> Gaelic. Uh, whereas Irish it is Gaelic. Anyway, so I'm having to learn these kinds of things as well as I remember she this one the woman played this one song, 
and it ended what I deemed as unresolved. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Where it sounds like it should. It doesn't. When does it end? Because you didn't. Leave, you left it on a note that's, as they say, unresolved. That's totally. And then it turns out, oh, that's the way it is. In Scottish music, that's some of the a lot of the songs. That's the way the music ends. So I want to talk about some of the dynamics and harmonics of music around the world. I want to start though, not so much with Scotland, but I want to start with uh, with India and the ragas because they don't have the traditional Western uh, eight notes. Eight octaves and uh, half notes and quarter notes and sixteenths and so on and so forth. I mean, it, you know, and if you listen to Middle Eastern music, for example, and the way in which, if you listen just for the sound, the the tone, the notes, it's it's it's, it's like uh, uh, someone singing what they refer to as the runs. I guess it is up and down and up and down and up. Right, right. It's amazing. Can you talk to us a little bit about starting with, with music of the East? And then, uh, Richard, I'll tell you, this is such a wonderful, wonderful subject, and this is going to be hours worth of material. Okay. I have to tell you <laughs> that, it, that it opens up such a can of worms, so I'm just going to really suggest that the harmonic series is a whole number ratio series, so the different intervals, the notes, whatnot, are based upon whole number ratios, two to three, five to four, etc., that have a very organic feel. And they actually understand this in a lot of the Eastern countries, whether it's India or whatnot. So the rogs are based upon certain whole number ratios. I'm not going to get into it. Mm -hmm. Here in America, and now, ultimately, as a global level, we've begun to incorporate what's called equal tone temperament we've begun that's it's actually about 150 years old that's how much it's begun but it's really infiltrated our consciousness and this equal tempered con uh construct simply means that the relationship between each note is not harmonically related but is based upon i don't want to get too mathematical but it's the square uh, it's the 12th square root of um it's the square root of 12 or something like that. It's a, it's a mathematical thing. So the difference between each note is exactly the same, but that's not what it sounds like in nature. Uh, it's, uh, there are books and books written on this. I can suggest, uh, to you some of them if you're interested, but it's an amazingly complex thing. I try not to get too scientifically involved in healing sounds because that's the thing that does what we call flybys for people they go well i can't get this i don't understand yeah. it they, their eyes glaze over sure, that's sure, why sure. i included in this new edition of healing sounds a hundred minutes of downloadable musical uh, examples musical exercises uh sonic instructions on how to make these sounds because you know if they say a picture is worth a thousand words a sound is worth an encyclopedic uh, amount of words because I can tell you about X, Y, or Z, but as soon as you hear it, you'll get it. You'll pick it up. So as soon as you hear, for example, harmonic relationships, you go, whoa, that, you know, uh, and that's why I did. And that uh, to me is the great blessing of the book because now people can find these oftentimes rare examples of whether they're Tibetan monks chanting or somebody singing 
amazing grace, just hitting one note and going, except they do amazing grace because that is a harmonically related thing. You got to hear it to believe it. And that's available on uh, as a download on this thing. So, and again, it it'll change it'll change your life just this you know on a level just these recordings alone are that interesting. We're talking with Jonathan Goldman. Uh, he is the author of uh, the 30th anniversary edition of Healing Sounds: The Power of Harmonics. Here on Tell Me Your Story, I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, the power of harmonics. I want to ask you, Jonathan Goldman. Uh, the comment was asked of me, the question was asked of me by my wife when she got in the truck for the first time and I was playing classical music and I'd been listening to it for a couple of days uh, driving around before she got in. And she asked me, she says, are you trying to rewire my brain? Yeah. And I said, well, no, not not really. That's not the reason why I switched. Um, and, and it was just interesting how, um, you know, she, she kind of picked up on that. But that is sort of the conclusion a lot of people make with classical music that it's going to quote unquote rewire your brain um there has been some science specifically around classical music in that regard and again i know we don't. that's richard that's only because you're looking at it i'm just going to tell you that any type of music is going to rewire your brain right so uh and the people who like classical and I love classical music. I listen to a lot of classical music, but once again, um, if you're trying to produce an outcome for the effects of the music and mm -hmm. like you're classically oriented, you'll come up with classical music being the thing. If you're uh, gonna come up and you wanna show that uh, uh, you wanna expand your musical horizons, you could show that jazz does it. If you want to do deep relaxation, then ambient music does it. But I'd like to suggest uh, a very well-known well uh, neuroscientist who's probably done the most research on the planet uh, in terms of MRIs and stuff and the way people respond. Uh, did a radio show with me and I said, what's your major one takeaway that you can give me? And he said, well, if people are looking for music to create different effects, music to make them feel good, music to make them X, Y, or Z, find the music that works for you and not the music that a scientist or a doctor recommends. And I love that because uh, I think it's so very true. Richard, if I'm driving up the mountain, uh, I live uh, now... Uh, not uh, you know in boulder not up the mountain but i used to live up the mountain and i remember one time when uh, i got out of teaching and it was dark and there was a snowstorm and i had to go drive up this a uh, windy road and the windy road is i was at the time a letter least considered one of the 10 most dangerous roads in america mm -hmm. and it, there you know it would go up uh, five thousand feet was windy and uh, if you went off you were gone and here was almost, you know, white out conditions. And normally I'd listen to some of my really chill, wonderful uh, relaxation music. And this time I wanted my heartbeat, my uh, respiration, my brainwaves, my adrenaline to be pumping. Mm -hmm. So I used really fast music or at the time, I, you know, I put on the Rolling Stones, Jumpy Jack Flash and that type of thing, cranked <laughs> it loud. Uh, rolled down the window and I was there because I wanted to be in the most heightened state of awareness that I could be. 
So at the time, that was therapeutic. Once again, the time, the place, and the need of the individual. It's so important because at the same time, you know, what works for one type of thing will not necessarily work for the other. Yeah. Do you do you find that uh, have you have you found at all that um, there are uh, companies, corporations, businesses, even let's just say department stores, malls, and so forth, that will play certain types of music, let's say uh, in the in the retail industry, to encourage you to buy more is that is that is that a reality at all or is that is that something that is a little on the on the far-fetched far-fetched side well i two things number one probably yes probably look on a certain uh level real quickly just if you are listening to nice cool classical music and you're going into a restaurant the people are never going to want to leave but if you put up tempo, bop, 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 they're going to eat quickly. Something as simple as that. Okay. But then you're getting into the concept of subliminal uh, messages underneath the music. I'm not going to tackle that one because no, that's I, too that, that's too big a uh, concept. Uh, but it, it's not out of the question. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard enough to for me to think about uh, during the Cold War. Uh, where uh, both we and the Soviets uh, at that time were using uh, psi technologies. You know, everybody was playing with, allegedly playing with telepathy and um, and all those kinds of esoteric things. And the only thing I could think of was, I just have a little more trust in the universe that uh, it's going to step in and prevent uh, these things from being used for uh, malefic, if you will, uh, endeavors. And I don't know if that were the case, but hey, we're still here, we're still breathing, you're still making tones and music and harmonics and, and, and celebrating your 30th anniversary of healing sounds, the power of harmonics. I'm still here after 43 years in this business, 15-year uh, celebration of this program, talking about the things that we are talking about to try to change the world. And I guess that's one of the things that we're, we're going to kind of talk about here real quickly, and that is is that part of your uh, MO, so to speak, your life's purpose, so to speak, that through the work that you are doing, the underlying reason is because you want to make this a better place for yourself, your wife, and the people around you, and hopefully the rest of the globe? Yes, indeed, Richard. It's so interesting that you mentioned this. Uh, because it's my belief that at this point in time and space, with the planet being in the particular condition that it is, that we need to somehow shift the global planetary consciousness. And the best way that I know how to do that is with intentionalized sound. Sound that is created with the intention of compassion and kindness. And in fact, uh, I'm going to have to get off in a couple of minutes because I have a meeting Sure. With these well-known people, I'm not going to say their names, but you know who they are, uh, trying to see if we can work together to create, uh, I have a phenomena called World Sound Healing Day on February 14th, and I'm just trying to make this grow. This is where thousands of people throughout our planet 
literally project a healing sound for the uh, consciousness of the earth and scientists have been able to find that this does make a difference and I just figure the more people the more people who are uh, able to influence other people who are able to do this the better it is because there's ultimately sort of a tipping point you know it used to be known as the hundredth monkey phenomena yeah. but the idea that the more people who make a sound encoded with love and compassion basically will shift and get into the airwaves because as quantum science tells us we're all interconnected there is no separation so if we can somehow project the energy of love and light through sound how cool would that be absolutely very cool jonathan goldman my guest and you are listening to tell me your story i'm richard dugan your host and uh, jonathan i want to thank you for giving us so much time i know that that you're on a tight schedule as uh, we usually are both of us yes. uh, and, uh, i thank you again for sharing with us uh your experiences with the healing sounds the power of harmonics it is the 30th anniversary edition available through your website and through the work that you are doing we will be linked of course to your website. And again, I thank you so much for giving us so much time. And uh, Richard, just want to say also, by gosh, by golly, Amazon is also a great place to get the latest edition of Healing Sounds. We're projecting people there too, because it makes it easier. So that, and thank you so much for your support. And I just want you to know that on a level, sound healing, which is really manifesting on the planet is going to benefit so much more by the inclusion of healing sounds into mainstream consciousness. So thank you for making this happen. And uh, as I do with every program, I do have uh, three final questions. Uh, we'll run through them very quickly because again, we're short on time here. Uh, the first of course is who is Jonathan Goldman? He's a guy talking to Richard Dugan. <laughs> what is it you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now make a better planet and finally what is your life's purpose help empower people with the ability of sound to transform and heal themselves and our planet jonathan goldman once again thank you so much for being with us thank you for listening to and watching tell me your story new paradigms for a new world we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true until our next broadcast podcast video cast love talal and jeanette i am listening <laughs>